thank you for joining us for this episode of Level Up, the podcast for marketers by marketers created by Lev that distills best practices and strategies focused on helping marketers increase their experience, one-up their strategy, and grow personally and professionally. Um, My name is Laura Madden, and I am the Senior Manager of Marketing Strategy and Services here at Lev. And today we have a very special guest with us, Ms. Jenna Giles, Associate Principal Digital Designer. Hey there, Jenna. Thanks, Laura. I'm happy to be here chatting with you guys. Um, For those who don't know, I'm part of Love's creative services team, and I've been here for just about three years now. Uh, My background's in graphic design and marketing. Uh, So those are the two areas that I really tie together here at Lev. Um, Our team generally gets pulled in on projects, um, any project that requires a creative eye. So we do a lot of email strategy, landing pages, um, digital ads, a little bit of UX design. And basically, if you're working with Lev on a digital deliverable and there's a visual component or like a branded element, um, that's where we come in. Fantastic. And we're also joined by Jordan Krause. Hey, Jordan. Hey, I am a client success partner and have been supporting this client uh, for the last year here. So happy to be here. Dream team. And, you know, Jordan and I can't make any promises that we won't make drag race references on this podcast. (laughs) Like it might happen and you just have to be okay with it. Um, But our icebreaker is not about drag race, at least not intended to be, Um, you know, as we're talking about for this podcast, the most innovative campaigns, and we're thinking about creative and how to level up, we wanted to start thinking about, you know, some innovations that we've seen out in the space that were successful or, or maybe not so successful. And, you know, when we were prepping for this podcast, the one that kind of came to mind for everyone was clear Pepsi. Like we all said it at the same time. And I really don't know if we got to whether or not we thought it was successful or failed. I think it's just one of those things that like pops in everybody's mind. I mean, so maybe it was successful because it's on the tip of your tongue, right? Or it's on top of mind. So no publicity is bad publicity. I don't know. And then we just went down a food route. I mean, I don't know. Jordan's like, yes, food. <laughs> uh, well, the next one we were talking about, there, there is Taco Bell and Domino's. I brought up Domino's because Domino's considers themselves to be a technology company. If you were to like Google Domino's, they make large technology investments. And one of those investments right now is self-driving cars to deliver pizzas. Taco Bell was coming up with a few new concepts. They have there are cantinas that can sell um, alcoholic beverages in there along with their regular menu. And then they also have this new concept that they were piloting, which was a new de- delivery mechanism. And if you remember going to the bank and seeing like those air tubes um, where when you would go through the drive through, you would pull out the canister, put your money and information in it, and then it would be sucked up the tube over to um, your teller who would do whatever business it was that that is being done. Taco Bell had a very similar concept for how they were going to deliver all of their to-go meals that you would pay and order through the menu as you usually would, but you would receive the food through the same like air 
system. Um, and so I just thought that, that that for some reason that was the first thing that came to mind when we were thinking about cool innovation that we've seen. That's so wild. It's kind of all designed to have us not ever talk to each other again because our the Taco Bell closest to me, like you already, you can't walk up to the counter and order. You have to use the little touchpad and like order that way. So essentially the only part you're interacting with another human is when they're giving you your food. So I guess if it's coming through a tube, you just never see another human again. <laughs> Very efficient. <laughs> Well, that leads to the last one that I had that I that was top of mind was Pokemon Go. If you remember before the pandemic, when Pokemon Go first came out, it was like a huge cultural social movement that people were reconnecting in new ways by using this virtual reality technology to like catch Pokemon and meet up in person. And then Pokemon recently said that they were going to develop a sleep app where based on how good your sleep is, how your REM cycle is without interruptions that you would collect Pokemon. And so Morning Brew came out with an article that asked the question, is Pokemon a health company now? They're getting us to exercise and they're rewarding our positive sleep. And so that was another kind of like innovative product concept that I that I was thinking of. Like the original Pokemon kids have aged out of like playing with the cards <laughs> and stuff. So now it's just like, are you okay? Like <laughs> we're yeah. old and cranky and go to bed at yeah. eight o'clock, and so they, they want to check on us. Pokemon <laughs> blood pressures, Pokemon <laughs> vitals, yeah, orthopedic <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Um, I feel like the only technology I can think of that like used to be bad and then got kind of good during the pandemic specifically was like QR codes are like useful now. And do you remember when they first came out and you had to have like a specific reader for them and they were just like posted in the weirdest spots, like a billboard, like driving down the highway, like, please don't um like don't do that but like then they got really useful for like menus and stuff so like I I actually like interact with them all the time whereas like back in the day I used to see one and just like cringe like this is never gonna take off but then it you're so right in like unfortunate circumstances but now they like make sense I remember working I worked at a jewelry company and we still had catalogs I mean they still have them now and it was like when QR codes were starting to be interesting and they were like starting to use them. And again, like not really the best place for it. Like if I'm reading a catalog, you can just like go find what you need. Like, I don't know, but they had QR codes for like, go to like this specific page for rings or bracelets or whatever. And I remember, you know, there were some older people on their mailing list and someone interpreted that as I needed to cut out the QR code and she mailed it in. Um, And I don't know what she thought she was getting out of that. Maybe she thought it was like entry into a sweepstakes or something. (laughs) I don't know, but like, bless her heart. We got a QR code in the mail and we were like, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. So maybe, maybe that lady now embraces the QR code. Who knows? Who knows? I'm with the boomers on <laughs> QR codes. I want a physical menu. If I go to a restaurant and they hand me a physical menu, I'm like, wow, what a high scale restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I like don't oh want to touch the menus anymore. I'm like, there's that. What is this like 
especially if it's like a bar. I'm like, what is this sticky mess you just handed yeah. me? Give me the QR code. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. All right. Well, clearly we could talk about innovations, specifically food related innovations all day, but we are not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about Huber. And I am so glad that I have Jordan and Jenna here because I really didn't know much about Huber and why they would be so innovative and why we want to talk about them for a whole podcast. But clearly they're awesome. So Jordan, can you just give us a elevator pitch on who Huber is? Yes, I can. So um, Huber Engineered Woods, they are in the construction industry. They create innovative specialty products for subflooring, subflooring adhesive. They also have some uh, copyrighted technology um, for roof and wall sheathing for both residential and commercial building builders. And uh, ultimately their focus is improved performance of these products, easy installation, greater strength. And so what is really interesting about the story that we're telling today is how we're trying to bring their marketing communications up to meet how innovative the product offering is that they have. That sounds amazing. Sounds like you guys had a really great opportunity that you identified because of that relationship that you guys had. So I know, Jordan, you kind of brought in the team. Can you talk to us about how, how Jenna came into the fold? Yeah, I think strategy recognized right away that Huber was not meeting the same innovation of their product. And that's when we decided to pull in um, strategy. We had a marketing strategist involved at the time who saw an opportunity for some creative support. Um, and I forget how this exactly came about. Uh, Jenna, I know you were in, uh, you got pulled in from Susan. How did this opportunity come about and and how did you recommend the change that you saw to Huber? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, Susan on the marketing strategy team, she was already working with them. They were working on um, just some like email, like journey strategy. So, you know, she was you know, doing all of working all her magic on on their journeys, but uh, she just kind of recognized that there was an opportunity um, to not only you know enhance those journeys and figure out you know who's seeing what and when, but um, to actually like uh, just enhance the emails themselves. So um, their their emails were filled with like so much good content. Um, Huber, like you were saying, Huber has um, just so many good resources and just like fantastic content. And so as she was kind of working on that, it just like recognized that like their emails were filled with great stuff, but no one was able to get the message. So it was just um, uh, maybe not aligning with their brand. It was um, kind of the messaging was all over the place and things like that. So that's the kind of uh, point in most projects when um, we'll have other other teammates. We get a lot of projects that come to us like this. We'll have, you know, our other fantastic teammates will be um, on projects and they'll just recognize an area where, you know, uh, either some creative polish could come in handy or some strategy or best practices. So, um, so, yeah, so she recognized that was a good opportunity for us, and she just kind of brought us in um, that way. And so we were um, we were initially just going to because she was working on, I think, the the welcome journey. 
Um, so we initially were just going to take a look at the welcome journey and um, just redesign, mock up some uh, some of those emails. And so we we did kind of like a little like mini creative audit, kind of looked at what they were what they were sending, you know, how much content they were sending, who they were sending it to, what it looked like, where it linked to, things like that. Um, so we redesigned that journey for them and. Um, it ended up just kind of, uh, I don't know, snowballing from there. So we started out with that one project. And I think probably like my favorite part of the project was like early stages when um, when our client saw the work we did with the, the welcome journeys, like our redesigned mockups. And she was like, okay, well, I love these so much. And she's like, now we can't send the rest of our emails because our welcome emails look so good. So we can't send our other emails like looking the way they look now. So that kind of just like opened things up for us. So started out as like a smaller project and then just kind of, like I said, snowballed from there. So we just uh, recognized that there were more opportunities to, you know, make their emails match up with like the caliber of content that they were sending. So then let's see, we, we went from welcome journey to took kind of a step back after that and um, decided, you know, let's not individually design every email that you have. Um, let's do what, what we refer to as like an email template project, which is essentially like, like a library of content blocks that, um, that you'll use to like mix and match um, to put together any of your emails. So, you know, there'll be different headers you can use and just body copy and just different content blocks. So it'll be like just a library, like I said, of content blocks that you can kind of stack together and like intermix to create, I mean, honestly, like an endless combination of, of designs for your emails. So that's what we put together for them. And we ended up designing like a ton of emails from it. We did um, some re-permission emails. We did some event things. Um, we did a lot of drip campaigns for them. So for each of their products, like when you sign up and get um, like a sample, so you get put into um, a drip campaign. So we we helped them, you know, put those together. But all of it super easy and straightforward because we, um, you know, took that step back and and created that that foundation of the the email template. Jenna, that all sounds so amazing, and I've seen some of the work. I know that it's featured on the Lev blog that I think we'll link um, with this podcast. But um, some of that does feel like just our standard awesomeness that we deliver for all of our clients, right? From a creative perspective. But I know that this really felt innovative to you, to the client. Um, can you talk a little bit about like why this feels so innovative to you as a project and as a whole? Yeah, um, no, I mean, you're right. It's, uh, you know, essentially what we gave them were nice emails. Um, but honestly, what was innovative about it was Huber themselves. Um, so really, our whole goal was to take their super innovative products and just their whole like business model in general and just get that in front of people so um just the fact that like i said they had so much good content when we first started um you know learning about them i learned so much about their their business and their industry um a lot of it through you know copywriting and just you know designing their emails but um uh, they're they're truly like redefining their industry like they've got they're out there like making products that are they've like invented a product that like 
one product will replace like three other products and it like instantly becomes like industry standard. So they're already just doing innovative stuff. So they really didn't need us to do anything wild and crazy. We just needed to like get them a like a, a system that was simple, clean, easy to use that like got those innovative ideas in front of their audience. Because honestly, they're not like, they're really not what you would expect um, from like a a company in like the construction industry, or at least not what I would have expected. Um, they're they're very like cutting edge. I don't know if you guys saw the video I sent you of one of their products, but their videos are like super intense and fantastic. They're like, honestly, they're like construction, like Marvel trailers with all the like special effects and stuff that's going into them. But like, <laughs> they, they're like real serious stuff going on over there. So we just like saw all of that and we're like looking at their emails and we're like, these are they're just not matching up like the caliber of work that you do in your products and then you're sending out these emails that are like super basic they're not mobile responsive they're um you know hard to navigate um the message isn't super clear there's no like fun areas for like all of your video content and all of your like fantastic blog content with like industry experts and like you know personal stories of like projects that they've used you know things on um so yeah we just we just designed this template specifically with all their like really innovative content in mind so honestly what we put together was really just a shell for them so so they were really the ones bringing the innovation there and we just found the best solution for like how to show that off yeah, it sounds like you guys are really able to, again, give them that foundation to kind of flourish on their own and be able to do that. And I know that that's what we end up doing a lot with those template systems and those iterative email systems is to allow them to be versatile and not have to do all of that manual work. And I know that there's just so many different benefits to that in terms of just the basics, like minimizing the risk of design mistakes or you're just you know going fast and loose with things and building a custom whereas if you have that system it's a lot more plug and play um, it can prevent those rendering issues that you can see um, across mobile and desktop um, make sure that they're all you know mobile responsive so if there, you know there's just so many great benefits to that increased efficiency, better inbox placement, like the list just keeps going on and on, right? So that in and of itself, I feels like I feel like helps them be a lot more innovative and to do their thing without having to worry about like all of those basic elements that you might get caught up in. So I think that's just super cool. Yeah. Yeah. For all those reasons that you just said, if anyone's been on a project with me, like you'll know, like, I will scream from the rooftops, like the benefits of like, starting from a template with your emails rather than starting from scratch each time. But for all the reasons you said, I mean, it's so much easier. It's so much uh, more efficient. Um, it, it's a little bit more work on the front end, because obviously, it takes some time to get, um, you know, we're not just handing out like generic email template systems, like, they're always very much tailored to the client and what their content is and what their audience is, how often they're sending, things like that. So like we we put a lot of um, research and work into them and we put them together. But, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it so, you know, more people on your team can create emails. They're not reliant on, you know, someone being able to, you know, hand code everything. So 
um, yeah, just super versatile, efficient, scalable. Um, they keep your your branding from, you know, you never want to have any of those human errors where, you know, someone's gotten a color code wrong or, you know, size something incorrectly. So, yeah, they just prevent a lot of that. So, and, and I know a lot of people hear the word template and they think, oh, okay, that's probably like super boring or, you know, it's just too following a grid or, you know, doesn't allow enough room for like design elements. But um, we always design them in a way where like, depending on how you combine those different like content blocks, like you can actually do some really creative stuff there. And um, you can almost like break the template almost where like visually you would never guess that like what you were uh what you were looking at in your inbox is actually coming from like a, a pretty standard looking template but there's some really creative stuff that you can do with them so while it's kind of in a sense like we're putting like parameters on it it almost like gives you more possibilities there because there's there's just so many different ways that you can combine those things so so yeah we super pro template around here <laughs> I think all the benefits you laid out are things I've heard a hundred times. Yeah, the, probably, the piece from of, probably from me. <laughs> yeah, probably from you. <laughs> the the peace of mind of having QA components already for you, the ability to drag and drop content and put it together. But and and I hear too what you're saying about there's still a lot of creativity that can be unlocked with a template system. Uh, but I think it's still important that we simplify emails for our customers so they know what the email looks like typically from this brand, how it's structured, that it's easy to read with just enough information. So I feel like even though it might feel like you're putting some boundaries around your email, that could also create a really good relationship with your customer to have an understanding of what they might expect to see from you. Yeah, yeah. And that's, we didn't have to do this with Huber, um, but a lot of the clients who really benefit from the template projects are ones where they're doing image only emails. And that's like, absolutely like the biggest no no i mean it's 2023 everyone's looking at their emails on their phone um if they're not looking at them on their phone they're going to be very soon so like let's get ready for that um and image only emails just don't work that well so they're they're not mobile responsive they're not accessible um there's just so many problems with them and coming from like my i mean when i started my career most of what i was doing was in print so i i understand why we want everything to look exactly the way we want it to look at all times like with print you know you made a design you printed it that's what it looks like it's never going to change you're going to be seeing it always in the same format but you know when it's digital and you're thinking of like what of the many many devices is somebody going to see this on um we'll have to have those conversations there's sometimes hard conversations with clients where we're trying to steer them away from those image-based emails and letting them know like this could look, this could be the most beautiful thing in the world. But if it's not easy to use, if the message can't get across, if your audience is not seeing it, you know, if it's too small or they have images turned off or whatever, then it, it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. Um, you, we've got to take a couple steps towards, you know, thinking of how people are going to interact with it and, and making sure we're getting our message across. So I, I always try to, you know, empathize with uh with people who are you know struggling to kind of let that go and be like listen I, as a graphic designer myself like i i understand that part but like we've got to find a way to do just as beautiful designs but in a way where they're they're scalable and they're accessible and you know they just can be 
viewed beautifully on no matter what device we're looking at. For folks who are not in email marketing day to day, when they hear image-based email, they might think an, an email that has heavy images, that has a lot of images. Can you explain what an image-based email is and why it's not best practice? Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously we want images in emails for sure. I it's, it's rare unless it's like a transactional email or something that where we're like, you know, don't put any images here. Um, so it's not that. It's when you're taking your entire email and it's almost like one poster so it's all the text is embedded within the image you know it's it's backgrounds it's images it's text it's ctas it's fine print it's all of these things and they're all embedded in single um, flat images which sounds great i mean they honestly if you were to always view them at you know on a desktop you know then they're gonna look they're gonna look nice um but like I said, if, if someone has images turned off, you'd be surprised by how many people still have images turned off in their emails. Um, it's the numbers are still just like shockingly high, um, especially for people who use Outlook. Um, there's a lot of people who just have images turned off um, because they're opening them in their work emails. Like I think even we have images turned off in our Outlook emails by default. So you would have to choose to turn them on. And a lot of people just don't do that, um, depending on like the age group of your audience. Um, there's just a huge, huge percentage of people that's not going to see images. So while we want you to use them, um, we want them to complement the content instead of housing it all within them. So, um, you know, we'll recommend that people pull out important headlines and use like live HTML text for that. Um, calls to action not be embedded within emails because then, you know, we're going to make sure that, you know, even if your images are turned off, the message is still coming across. I love, I, I think this is a great example, and it also reminds me of some of the things we talked about in our very first podcast um, about, uh, I think it was Laura, your quote about um, email being a revenue driver. And so I think that when we think about image-based emails, I get some of these myself, where the entire, it, the entire email is a picture, and the picture is all left justified on my phone. And the text is so tiny, I, I can try to zoom into it. But again, the entire email is a picture. So we're, as marketers, we're not able to see what links they're engaging with on that image. It's not mobile responsive. We're not able to uh, understand like where, what are the highest ranking components of this email. And therefore your strategy is very limited. When in reality, your email, instead of just, uh, you know, blasting out communication to all of your uh, audience really should be a two-way conversation where you're giving them information you think they need, they're engaging in the information they're interested in, and now you have a little bit of data on your user to help inform a more personalized experience. Um, and this this personally is why I love our strategy and creative, th creative team. I think that what our strategy and creative teams bring uh, are are different it is our competitive edge because we do so much more than just implementing marketing cloud we actually um or implementing any software we're actually able to take your take your goals and tie them into um the the work itself um so i guess jenna in your own words um, aside from like my client success love for a strategy because I feel like it helps bring these ideas to life. What do you think makes our creative team and strategy team so special um, 
and what could the creative team and strategy team do for folks or listeners who are are wondering um, what they could do for them? Oh, man, I feel like our strategy team and our creative team, we come from so many different backgrounds and we have so much experience in different industries and you know in the creative department we come from both in-house and agencies and just have so much like different experience there where we're bringing that to us even if it's you know a project that's maybe not um not similar but we're you know taking those lessons and we're applying them there um we've got you know experience in like i said graphic design marketing um advertising um i know the marcons have all kinds of you know additional experience on top of that but yeah, we're, I mean, we're just, um, especially for the creative team, we're not, you don't always see a creative team, honestly, in a, a company that's, you know, as like tech focused as we are. So that can be often like just really black and white, like that can be only like data focused and, and things like that. But um, being able to just work side by side with people who are doing like such cool things that are, you know, like I said, focused around the data. Um and just learning from them, they're learning from us. We're coming up with like new ideas all the time of like kind of how to work those two things in together and kind of, you know, marry creative and tech together. Um, I just think it's something you don't always see. So, you know, a lot of times, like I said, so many of our projects come in from other projects that are already going on that thought that they had nothing to do with creative. Um, and then turns out that they do. So like I said, if it's if it's got any sort of like visual component or branding to it whatsoever, um, the, there's a good chance that like we can help you um, either polish that or come up with a new strategy or um, just any number of things related to creative. Yeah, and what I love about our creative team is that I always say this is a group of design consultants. You guys are not just designers who go off, make something beautiful, come back, don't talk about it. I don't know. Maybe you don't talk to people. Maybe you're like the the Taco of it all. But but that's not the case, right? Like you guys do come with the thought process behind it. And it's more than just best practices. It's really just like, I understand what you are trying to accomplish from a holistic strategic perspective. And let me help you activate that through your creative and what like whatever channel that is. And so it's that true design consulting that like you said, it might feel a little strange to have at like a tech focused company, but we're MarTech and strategy, and that's where that design element comes in. So I think all of our fantastic design consultants are so good at that and just opening up so many windows for windows, doors, all the all the portals um, yeah. for our clients. That's we've said many times, uh, the designers on our team, like it absolutely mortifies us the idea of just making something pretty just for the sake of making it pretty. So if there's no strategy behind it, goals behind it, um, thought process behind it, research behind it, um, that's not doing anyone any favors. So it, it just the fact that we've all got like backgrounds in advertising, marketing, you know, just general things like that to really like be the foundation of our designs, um, I think is is really what kind of drives us. I I want to think about what we can learn from this Huber customer story, especially because for some folks, a template system 
might seem like table stakes. It might not feel that innovative. And really what we're saying here today is that it is. And so I'm curious from your perspective, Laura and Jenna, what can we learn from the story of innovation and where can other marketers start when they're trying to find ways that they can be innovative? Yeah, I can I can start there. I think part of it is just defining what innovation means to you, because it's not going to mean the same thing for every person. Um, it sounds kind of cliche to think about the crawl, walk, run, but, you know, cliches are that way for a reason. So thinking about like innovation for you might be table stakes for others. And that's OK, because you have to get to that table stakes spot before you get to the super innovation spot. We have um, something that we walk a lot of our clients through that we talk through the marketing maturity curve. And it's like five different steps. And it's kind of going from like, you know, basic really to like more automated to segmented to personalized. And then the last step, like the nirvana is kind of the machine learning, AI, um, all of that good stuff. And I think, you know, that is seen as innovative for a lot of people. And for a long time that it's like, oh yeah, we'd really love to get there, but like, that's not realistic. That's our end goal. But like, we're really going to set our sights on like three, right? Because like, that's where we want to go. Now, you know, we could talk, well, I think we do have a whole other podcast about how AI is a little bit more tangible now and more within reach, but just kind of picking where you want to go for innovation and maybe the steps you need to take to get there is going to be key. So maybe it is those table stakes and that's okay because that's what's right for you. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, what your neighbor, what your competitor, what everybody else is doing. So that's really where I would start out with the innovation of it all. Jenna, what are your thoughts? I mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, that's just that's why we don't we don't hand out generic templates and emails and things to clients because honestly, like what we gave to Huber was what they needed based on their products and their audience. Um, so yeah, we, we wouldn't have given them the same product that we would have given someone else. So it was very much based on, you know, we looked at their their products and their content. And, you know, like I said, all those great videos and resources that they had, and we're like, what is the best way for us to present this to their audience? And that was the best way for them. So will there be something else super exciting and innovative down the road that they'll want to probably add on to that? Um, very likely, and and we hope so. And you know, excited to kind of you know see where they grow from what we've given them. But um, yeah, that was just like the best fit for them. Yeah, and I think one thing we kind of touched on, but it's worth reiterating, is looking at your metrics and making sure that all of these decisions are data driven and performance based. So not doing innovation for the sake of it, like kind of like the idea that like oh, my emails could look super cool, but then all of a sudden it like tanks my click-through rate or like no one is purchasing anymore. So some of that innovation might just come from like little tweaks and testing that you're doing to improve those KPIs. And that's what innovation means to you. So innovation doesn't always have to be the flashiest, like biggest award-winning thing. Like, yes, that would be amazing, but innovation could just be, hey, guess what? We reached our growth goals and, you know, we made our, 
our C-suite happy. Like that's great. That's a win for everybody. So, um, you know, making sure that you're looking at those metrics and and making sure your innovation matches up with that is going to be big. Jordan, I see you're nodding ferociously. I feel like you are team data driven. I just, I think that is so well said. I think also in technology, I think people implement technology for technology's sake without any goals around the technology. Oftentimes it's how you end up um, over-investing in some software. And so I, that's why I'm back here like clapping, like that's it, like that's the point, have a North Star, have some sort of goal. And just because that's always how it's been done doesn't mean that it has to continue to always be that way. So get a fresh pair of eyes, pull in a consultant like ourselves, even if you're not, even if you just want an opinion, you know, and you're not sure that you necessarily need the help, I think it's important to stay, you know, atop of that and with, with your customer's experience at the heart. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Level Up. Looking to continue to level up your knowledge on the latest news, technology, and marketing trends affecting marketers day to day? Stay tuned for future episodes of Level Up with new episodes coming out every Thursday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thank you for leveling up your marketing knowledge with us. Mm-hmm.